Welcome to the Millennial Pastor Podcast, where we talk about the intersection between faith and culture. I'm your host, Josiah. And I'm your co-host, Byron. Byron, uh, I would like to take a minute before we really get into today's podcast, and I would just like to offer up an apology to the great state of Arkansas. On our last... Because you're a terrible person and you insulted them? Well, I guess it could be perceived that I maybe was insulting, but... Really, I, I was just uh, saying how, as a 15-year-old boy, I was being selfish, and I wanted AC, and I didn't have AC. And that really wasn't Arkansas's fault. But to be fair, you also would love to have had AC at 15, and you probably would have reacted the same way, regardless of the state you were in. When I lived in that area, like I talked about with Hunter, my AC went out one night, and I tried to stay there. And it was, it was middle of summer. It was miserable. I ended up just walking around all night because it was so hot. It was Regardless, it wasn't anything against Arkansas specifically, just maybe more of my frustration about not having AC when it's very humid and hot. But all Arkansas citizens, Arkansas-ians, I don't know how to say that. I don't want to continue to create even more of an issue with Arkansas. All, but keep yeah, going, though. Keep, 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 going. Yeah, keep it going. I am sorry. From the bottom of my heart, I am sorry. Hunter, I am sorry. Arkansas seems like a lovely place. I'd love to visit once again, hopefully with working AC. Uh, regardless, moving on, Byron, um, there's something I was going to ask you. I mean, Christmas just happened, and I didn't get any Christmas presents from you on Christmas morning. No, because the Postal Service doesn't operate on Christmas morning. They're off because it's their families, you monster. <laughs> but Also, you didn't get them for like two more weeks. But you got them. That's all that matters. It's there. It just is a little late this year. That's true, but the reason I bring it up is because for the past however many years we've been friends and actually shared Christmas presents. I normally don't send you anything until well after Christmas and even beyond your birthday, which is at the beginning of January. But this year, for perhaps the first time ever, I won. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess. <laughs> but here's the thing, though: your Christmas present wasn't marked. I had no idea who it was it doesn't from. Matter if it was marked or not. Like I am the well. To be fair. And it showed up after Christmas, just way before I got your presents okay, there. But I but, also need to confess, I don't, I don't know if I told you this yet. I didn't actually do it. Caitlin bought it and sent it to you. I kind of <laughs> figured. Did she buy my birthday present, though? Because we could talk about well, that. I mean. Or is that your, I mean, I'm assuming that's your it was idea. A, completely my idea, but her thumb was on the Amazon app on her phone making it happen. So I, I, however you want to gotcha. split that. However you want to be technical. Well, I will also say that I try to get you guys good gifts that you'll like enjoy and they're good for your kids. What are you and, trying to say? Like, I try to be not a good gift. Can I, can okay. I explain the gift? Yeah. Cause oh, the, oh, the Christmas Just gift was great. The ha- however, we already actually owned it already, Just explain but that's it okay. Then. Go ahead. Um, so Josiah likes to get me weird gifts that make him laugh. <laughs> so last year for my birthday, he got me a squatty potty. <laughs> Which is one of those little stools you put by your toilets. Yeah, you can watch the videos online. The videos, the ads for it are hilarious. But that's what he got me. This year for my birthday, he got me a bar of soap. On one side, it says butt. <laughs> On the other side, it says face. So it's a Just butt so face bar confused. of soap. So, yeah, so you wash them se- on separate bars of soap. And then, so, yeah, it's a, it's a very thoughtful what gift. Is the be- no, the best um, gift I ever got you, though. Please explain. The best literally. Oh, it's yes, the shirt? The best gift I ever got you with this soap and <laughs> Yeah, so he, he bought me this ridiculous construction neon yellow long sleeve shirt with a picture of his face on it. <laughs> and it's huge. The only problem, the shirt is that if it wasn't that color and long sleeve, I'd actually wear it. But it's way too bright, and it's long sleeve, and I don't like, because as I talked about, I sweat a lot. So I don't wear long sleeve shirts very often. 
So if it was a different color, I would actually wear it pretty regularly just because I think it's funny. But you have worn but, it. You even wore it one time when you were helping my dad with something. Yeah, he- I've worn it at least twice. Unfortunately, whatever you bought to put the picture on isn't the best and it's already coming off but <laughs> well, that's with well, two washes but i have worn it at least twice good to know then i know what to get you next christmas <laughs> i'm telling you man if you can make it a short sleeve shirt with a different like a normal color i'll wear it okay game on i'll take you up on that because people will ask me about it and i'll just explain who you are it'll be fun <laughs> that is i'll try to hawk your book with it too how's that I, whatever i guess if you want to hawk speaking of hawking things <laughs> we have to hawk things in just a minute since we actually are sponsored so folks here's a pre-recorded message from our sponsor so unfortunately we don't have my my favorite segment which we've never done which is i read rejection letters so just uh, i was wondering if you have a list of potential sponsors maybe i could write some emails or whatever so we can generate some rejection letters so basically, and basically, potentially a new sponsor. Maybe maybe we'll get lucky, but I'm hoping for rejection. So you want to actually do something is what you're saying? You want to actually like... Yeah, I guess I could help, you know, <laughs> instead of just show up and be awesome. <laughs> I'll actually do something helpful. Uh, okay. Well, I do actually have a list of things. We, we have a couple, and I'm not going to say who it is, but there are a number of uh, companies out there, weirdly enough, that will sponsor podcasts if they're, if they just exist, I guess. I don't understand how it works, but... I will feel free to send maybe next, maybe next week, maybe next week we'll have a rejection and maybe you can do a fun segment of the show that we have yet to be able to do. We'll see. We need to get like a theme song for it too. A theme song for a rejection. I'm yeah. so, I'm so hopeful. I hope that that <laughs> happens. I'm looking so forward to publicly sharing that we have been rejected. I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited. I'm Let's sure. I'm sure you are. That's the way <laughs> The way you are, Bart. Moving right along. Uh, as, as always, today we have a guest. Maybe you saw the blog on our website, themillennialpastor.com. Um, but we have a guest on the show, and her name is Amy. Amy, can you hear us? Yes, I can. Hi, Amy. Hello. How are you? Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Uh, well, thanks for being willing to get on this ridiculousness with me and Byron, because... I, I don't know why people agree to do this, but apparently they're willing to get on a podcast and hear us say ridiculous things to each other and then chime in as well. I'm super excited. Well, we're excited to have you. So can you tell us just a little bit about yourself? And I know I'm going to do something like I do with every with every other guest we've had because this is called the Millennial Pastor Podcast and we kind of are all about that whole millennial, younger person age demographic so i'm gonna ask for your age even if my mom was right here she might slap me so mom if you're listening <laughs> to the podcast i'm really sorry i'm going to ask her how old she is but it's not because i'm trying to be rude so yeah so yeah tell, yeah tell i'm gonna about yourself especially your age yeah i'm gonna give you a pass on it because you know i understand that's the whole point of your podcast so thank uh, you <laughs> well i'm amy and um i i'm I'm 39 and holding. I have six months before I turn 40, so take it or leave it. I'm sort of millennial. Sort um, of millennial, which yeah. you actually talked about in your blog post where you're kind of on the cusp. Yeah, yeah. So I'm kind of in that weird, I think kind of like Hunter, how you talked about how he was like kind of on the edge of the, I'm like the other spectrum where I'm on that like beginning edge. And so there's a lot that I identify with and then there's some that I'm just like, eh, not so into that. So you so, can kind of pick and choose which generation you more identify with. 
Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I think I identify more with millennials than the one right before. Gen, I don't know which. Gen X. Sure. Okay. But. <laughs> yeah, she didn't know what it was called. So yeah, yeah. she's definitely more of a millennial. <laughs> yeah, see, but I, we'll see as we get into this, what you well, guys think. We're going to find, yeah. before we find out, where are you at? Where do you live? Uh, I live in, a, well, for me, a small town called Bartow. And I'm in Florida, so Bartow, Florida. Um, it's really more of a city, but for, I'm from Tampa originally. So to me, it feels small town. Um, I'm in central Florida, which I think everybody knows where Florida is on their map. But no, I don't know I'm, where Florida is. I'm a millennial. So, so okay, I, if just I can't, where is the it? farthest point away from you is Florida, probably. We're like opposite ends of the map. And then Central Florida is the middle. And if you literally look at Florida, I'm right in the middle of, um, we're about an hour. Center means middle. Middle. (laughs) Got it. There you go. You can do it. (laughs) And um, we're about an hour from Tampa, hour from Orlando. So if you've been to Walt Disney World, I'm about 45 minutes from there-ish. Not only did both me and Byron go to public school. Um, so did i yeah as brent pointed out in our second podcast we also didn't go to seminary so sometimes if you use big words you may have to um define them for us that's you know i didn't go to seminary either so we're right we'll just hang we'll just all hang out together amy's our people yeah you know air five across the country because apparently you live somewhere over there Far away. <laughs> well, because everyone we've had on this podcast so far has a master's, don't I know, they? Yeah. I think so. It's Hunter just got his. He's working on a PhD, apparently. I'm, I'm pretty jealous. Will does. Yeah. Oh, that's, yeah. that's ridiculous. Yeah. Actually, there's just a bunch of nerds, you know. <laughs> we're well, the everyman. They're the nerds. We're going to yeah. find out um, whether or not you really are more of a millennial than a Gen Xer, um, because it is now time for the How Millennial Are You part of this show. So, Amy, are you ready? I am so ready. I want to know myself. <laughs> Are you excited? Because we're going to throw some stuff at you. You told me you listened to Hunter. Um, it's like ridiculous how excited I am. <laughs> <laughs> Great. I'm excited too. So let's get right to it. Okay. It's going to be a rapid fire. So here we go. Amy, do you have a job? Technically. Oh, can you define that? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not going to define it. You have to deal with the I question. I do not have a paid job, so my husband would say no, but I would say I wear many hats. <laughs> I think we're going to get more into that later on okay. in, in yeah. the, the episode, too, so let's go with Well, yes, to be yes, fair, yes. millennials can... do volunteer more than other generations before them, from what I've read. I mean, so it's I'm not, not employed. I am not employed, so. But are Okay, we're going to have to get into <laughs> know, that more later. Okay, Byron, go. <laughs> How many participation trophies do you have on display in your home? Not my own. None. My children have some. (laughs) Okay. How often do you order avocado on toast at your local bistro? Never. Never? Never. And it's not because we don't have bistros. It's because (laughs) I don't like avocado. Oh, snap. Again. I know. She's my people. I I like it. I don't like them. Nope. (laughs) All right. On a scale from 1 to 10, 1 being the lowest, 10 being the highest, how lazy and self-entitled are you? Shoot. Okay, those are two different things in my world. (laughs) Lazy, like an 8. Self-entitled, like like I need air conditioning, like like Like, I need my own bed. 
So Josiah level self entitled. Oh my oh, goodness. Man. <laughs> Put a I number don't, on it. Put a number on it. I don't want to admit it, but six or seven. Oh my well, a self-awareness. I'm I'm proud of you. Okay. Continuing on. Okay. How many, how many different types of essential oil do you own? <laughs> okay, I'm not into that, but I I bought one for my daughter because she was having trouble sleeping and I thought it would be like a mind thing. Like, here, this will help you. Did it actually work? So I don't, it does work. So, or she thinks it works. So at least placebo effect at yes. the very least. Fair that's, enough. That's exactly what. All right. How many pumpkin spice lattes did you drink over the holidays? None. I don't even drink coffee. Oh my goodness. I know. Again, he uh, is my people. Oh, I, don't I like, like my it. favorite guest so far. Oh, but I like pumpkin spice candles. Does that count? <laughs> I guess. I don't know. You're throwing me now. Okay. I know. Question. I know. What percentage of photos on your phone are selfies? Oh, uh, no. No, I don't like selfies. What? If, if I take them, it's with my kids. I don't. That counts. Well, how many? If you're in them with your kids, that okay, still counts. So if I do them with my family. Sure. Well, we'll um, just so we can get something on you. I. This is a complete guess, but maybe. Maybe 20, but probably less than that. 20% or 20 yeah. photos, period. Percent. Oh. Okay. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, if we go to somewhere together, we might say, oh, let's take a family picture. There's no one around. So it's we like just... a family selfie? Kind of, yeah. Okay. I, uh-huh. guess we'll, I guess we'll count it. Did anyone buy you Millennial Monopoly for Christmas? No. <laughs> Good. That's bad. Is that a thing? Yes, oh it's yeah it's thing. terrible <laughs> no. oh my goodness it's rid- we can talk more about it it's ridiculous anyway funny are okay. you a snowflake and do you desperately search for safe spaces where you won't be offended no <laughs> okay. i just listened to another podcast on that today no <laughs> <laughs> okay last question did you as a millennial ruin christmas because according to the news we, we ruined it but did you Christmas. How so? Well, I don't know if you read the news. Um, during Thanksgiving, millennials were accused of ruining Thanksgiving because we liked small turkeys instead of huge turkeys. Oh, Which... yes. I saw this. Okay. And then um, there, was a, there was more news that actually said millennials don't like saying Merry Christmas as much. So that is ruining Christmas. There's, it's actually like an NPR thing that just came out a couple weeks ago. It's a, it's a big deal, supposedly. Okay, so I did see this report. So absolutely no, I did not ruin Christmas. I said Merry Christmas to a lot of people. And then I don't make the turkey. My mom makes the turkey. So (laughs) technically, no, I didn't do that either. But if she hadn't made it, we would have figured out how to. So I no, I'm all about the turkey. So So that one can be. You're kind of on the fence then. Yeah, see, I'm. I, I'm not a millennial, am I? I don't know. You're I ruined close. that. No, dude. You got some <laughs> close ones, though. Okay. Technically have participation trophies in your house on display. Yeah, so it's more I... like a ribbon, but yeah. Well, what, whatever. <laughs> Did you get... Okay, I guess we should have asked if you have ever received participation trophies. I, I don't remember, but I'm not... I was not an athlete, so there wasn't very much I... You were kind of iffy on the whole job thing. You may have gotten participation trophies. You at least have them on display somewhere. You don't like avocado toast, so that's a real big strike against you. Yeah. You, you, you're fairly self-aware and said you might have some laziness or self-entitledness. 
um, you have at least tried essential oils. I guess you don't have like people buy straight up boxes of it, right? I mean, it comes in like here, here you should try this essential oil for this and that for that and yada yada yada. Yeah, I'm not into it. And then pumpkin spice. And you've never sold it I either, have, which no, also no, I haven't. I, oh, oh, but once I was at my friend's house and I was very sick. Well, not very sick, but getting sick, and she like put it on my feet and my and I it worked I wasn't sick the next day so there's something to it I think you might be able so if we did this like in a couple months maybe you would be an essential oil salesperson only if someone's gonna buy it for I'm not (laughs) I'm not gonna pay for it no pumpkin spice was a no (laughs) selfies was a no no one bought you millennial monopoly but that's not really a slight against you um you're not a snowflake and I don't know I literally had and it was the weirdest thing until I read this news article and I was and it kind of explained it I had like this woman at the grocery store and she was in one of the electric scooter things and she was very aggressively going to people and saying Merry Christmas and she was finding young people to uh. aggressively say Merry Christmas to me. What in the world is going on? Well, see, that's not millennial. That's just the war on Christmas. That's a yeah. different, it weird was... cultural thing. I think I said it because I was cheerful. I was excited about it. It wasn't like a forcing Christmas down your throat. Well, but that's the thing, you know, there's stores that can't say it. They have to say happy right. holidays or whatever. Right. And so it becomes this hill people have to die on or whatever. Mm-hmm. But millennials get blamed for it. I mean, there's other things. There's this amazing year-end news article BuzzFeed did of all the things millennial have millennials have ruined over 2018. Some of the funnier ones were um, middle children. I said, wait, hold on. Why did millennials ruin middle children? Apparently, millennials that are starting to become parents... Um, don't want to have three children they want to have four which mm. i thought was hilarious because you and me both happen to be in the four kid club right hashtag four kids club <laughs> well i'm almost in that club mm-hmm. I'm working on it but we hashtag also... my nightmare Jesus, so many kids. <laughs> i love children children are not the problem that's what it's just that like. number of children is terrifying <laughs> to i me. think byron is suggesting he babysit for all eight of our children that's no here's the thing down i actually <laughs> love kids i work with kids like i'm good with kids just having i almost said owning that's not really what it is <laughs> having four like having four of them rely on you oh. is ridiculous i i manage a group home right now and we have four kids in the house right now and i don't have to live with them <laughs> i just have to like make yeah, sure they go different. to their appointments make sure they go to school make sure they're they they have clothing and food like i do and all you- that stuff and it's just so much work and i can't imagine going to work doing my real job and then coming home and doing that on top of it yeah. So, so that's, oh. if that's considered a job, then yes, I do have a job. You have a job, dude. <laughs> oh that is what goodness. I do. Well, oh, you're you're a stay at home mom. Is that <laughs> I, correct? I am. Yes. That is a very like that. That's a lot of work. It I is. respect stay at home moms a lot. You guys do a lot. Well, stay at home parents, whoever it might be. Yes, I split time. They do. It's a lot of work. I'm a stay at home parent about half of the week, and I I joke, but it's not really a joke. Being a stay-at-home parent is way harder than being a quote-unquote employed pastor. I'm not, I mean, just I'm exhausted when I have to stay home all day with the kids. It is exhausting being like a, you know, a taxi driver going to and from school, picking them up. If I have to take mm-hmm. doctor's appointments, I have a one-and-a-half-year-old, and he's he's uh, you know puts everything in his mouth. He tries to get into everything. He's as I jokingly referred to him as, he's actively trying to kill himself. Is what it feels like. <laughs> just like how can I die today, Dad? I put this in my mouth. 
I climbed up really high on this thing and I tried to jump off of it. Oh, the door was open. I'm going to run to the street. Like, that's just what he seems to try to do all day. I have heard yeah, but- my husband tell that exact story, just like that, that they're trying to kill themselves. That's what it feels like. <laughs> but the, the funny thing is, though, that's coming from someone who tried to run off the Grand Canyon once. Whatever, dude. It's- so, <laughs> like, Josiah was the same kid. He He did that for much longer than, like, his older kids, I don't think, do this nearly as much as they used to. But, like, Josiah tried to kill himself so many times. Yeah, whatever. My parents often remind me that I deserve it because what goes around comes around. Yeah, you're in trouble. (laughs) (laughs) So, final final fun millennial thing that I want to hear a little more about you, and then we can get into more of our discussion. Uh, Millennials, this this thing you might find humorous, and I don't know if you guys would agree. Millennials are apparently ruining stoves. 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 I use a stove every day. How are we ruining it? According to Forbes... And this is a thing. This is ridiculous. Millennials are ordering more food delivery, which could yeah. kill home no, I can see kitchens. that. Uh... So millennials are, are supporting restaurants and tipping delivery people. And, and more and more are using, you know, Uber Eats or whatever to deliver food. And they just don't cook at home as much. So apparently the stove industry now has got beef with millennials. Lots That's fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> we, we ruin things, I guess. I, I really do enjoy a nice dinner out, but I'm going to tell you, we don't have the whole Uber Eats thing in this tiny little town. <laughs> but I would probably use it. Yeah, but then I mean, with a family of six, you, yeah, it, your that budget gets zapped pretty quickly. So you got to kind of. There's those nights though where you sit there and you look at your husband or like me and my wife and I'm I'm not cooking dinner I'm exhausted. You cook dinner? He's like, no, let's order whatever. For sure, yes. There, there's lots of those. All the time. Anyways, moving along. I guess I don't know. It's kind of a toss up, Amy. I think sometimes you're pretty millennial and other times maybe not so much, which kind of makes sense. You're right on the. See, that's what I think. I'm sorta, but then not fully. It's like I'm not fully in. But we're going to talk more about your ministry experience in just a minute. And I think that's really where you absolutely kind of fit into that same sort of, this is what I've experienced as a young pastor um, that we've already talked about with some of our other guests and what, what I kind of shared in my book about, you know, just, just what the struggles are of being a young pastor. But then you have the added benefit of being a woman mm. and not having that double whammy on top of everything. Um, but before we do that, um, as always, we like to, to ask our, our guests a kind of general discussion question that leads into more specific uh, discussion questions. So before we do that, here's the question I have for you. In your own words, what is church? And and bear in mind, Amy, we asked this of of our guests, and there's a very specific reason. Uh, Most of the stats, most of the research would show that, that we don't always agree on church, but as millennials or just as younger people, you still fit into this, whether or not you're a millennial. By and large, we don't attend whatever we think church might be or whatever church is seen to be. So what what do you think church is? What is it to you? Mm-hmm. Well, if you're asking asking me as a church attender and as a Christian, as a pastor, I, I think the obvious answer is church is the body of Christ. And that's how I see it. It's absolutely the people absolutely the followers of Jesus it's not where we go although I think it's completely acceptable to say I'm going to church I I, I think it, it might sound weird if we said we're 
I'm going to go be the church or something. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I've learned more and more, especially in my context, that you don't need to have a church building to be the church and you don't need four walls and a roof necessarily. I think that helps us. I think that, um, especially in maybe American culture, I'll just speak to that since it's what I'm familiar with. It helps us kind of envision what church is, but I also think that in some ways it's clouded our vision a little bit. And so if you were to ask someone just randomly on the street that maybe wasn't a church goer per se, what is the church? They might just say, Oh, it's that building down there or it's where people go on Sunday and they do whatever, you know, they might not know. Or if you'd ask a child, they really might not know. But church is, church is often seen as that location or that place and that building or that time of day. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but even so, and we haven't really, we talked a little bit about it in the millennial, how millennial are you question time. Um, but you're a pastor of a church. But you've kind of gotten into being a pastor in a little less conventional way as compared to our previous guests. And even compared to me and Byron, how we entered into pastoral work and ministry. Um, but, but I wanted to hear a little more. I wanted our viewers, our viewers, we don't have viewers, our listeners to <laughs> to hear a little bit about your story. But also maybe in that, I want to hear from you why you decided to, to dive even further into being part of the church, as opposed to maybe what statistically so many younger people do. And that's just leave, disengage completely, because obviously there's reasons we disengage. We can get into that a little further, but, but could you mm-hmm. tell us a little more about that? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, uh, my background is sociology. My, my undergrad degree is in sociology. My husband's undergrad is in IT. Um, I was in the field for a little bit until I became a full-time mom and decided that's what I wanted to do and be here with my kids. And then, um, he continued in the IT field, but so we were, lay people for for years and um for about nine or ten years and we just served in that capacity I mean it was what we did but it was who we are and what we loved doing we we loved the church loved our local church we just that's what we did we served in like probably every capacity except like the choir or something we've just done it all and um just I don't know. It was just, I just started feeling a call out of the church, uh, the traditional church building, not necessarily like leave the church, but it was like a feeling like, I don't like what's going on here. And then also we started at that same time where we just, I would call it more of a discomfort, like a, like we didn't feel at home anymore. It wasn't necessarily anything the people were doing or not doing. We just started feeling like we were, I don't know, <laughs> aliens in the, uh, like, like how Paul would use that language, I guess. Like we just don't belong. Something's not right. Um, and then at the same time, I started meeting families at the, our local elementary school that had children my kids ages and they were not attending church either they had never attended a church 
or they, the parents themselves grew up in the church. They had church backgrounds. They would maybe even say they were Christians. Um, they live with, you know, maybe it's the same way I do. Good morals, love their kids, great parents, live, you know, just their average great family, but they were not part of a church body. And it was breaking my heart because I thought, it doesn't make any sense. Why are you not raising your children? I don't know. I, I, it was like this moment of what's going to happen when my kids, this sounds really weird, but what's going to happen when my daughters want to try to possibly find a spouse and there's nobody who has the same thinking or upbringing? I don't know. Like that was that weird moment of like, what's going to happen when they need to find friends in the future or I, and so I just started like, it went from like a, this is really bad to like an urgency of like, wait, there's children that have never heard Jesus before. And I was, I was just like, I couldn't grasp it in my own community. And so my heart just started kind of started breaking for that. And that's when I just kind of started telling my husband, like, what? I feel like we need to start a church in our own community because the church we were attending um, is in the next community about 20 minutes away. And people are kind of funny around this area. They don't travel that far to places. And, and we did because we were committed to that denomination. And so we didn't mind driving that far, but it was like, okay, there's no Nazarene church in our town and maybe, maybe we need to start something. And so that started our quest for, okay, maybe we should help somebody do that because we were not clergy. We were not pastors. We weren't, we didn't have any theological training, but you said you you were a lay person and and maybe it would be helpful to kind of define what that means. Cause there, there might be people listening to this that don't understand that. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know what the dictionary would say, but I just consider anybody who's in the church that's not a pastor, a lay person. If you're attending the church and you're involved in the church, um, I wouldn't necessarily say you have to even be a member of the church, but I would say if you're a regular attender, active, involved, you're a lay person. It's just basically someone who's not clergy is how I would explain it. You might have a better definition. Well, no, I like it. And it kind of, from what I'm hearing, you out of your love for the church, you almost decided to step away because something needed fixing, something needed being addressed. We've, we've kind of gone over this. Me and Byron in the first episode shared that we have hangups, but out of those hangups, we've kind of leaned into, well, maybe we should do something about what we don't like. Maybe we should, you know, address those issues with our actions. And we've had similar discussions with our, our other guests. And it kind of seems like that is where you found yourself. And how long ago was this where you, you kind of left uh, and you were really pondering what to do? Yeah, it was started in like early 2015. Okay, the feeling so- of needing to do something. And so now currently, what is that, like three, four years later, depending on when in 2000? Yeah, our church has been going since uh, January of 2016. So it was like a full year of just feeling like, what should we do? Um, around June of 2015, um, we started kind of asking local leadership district people for advice or if there were people planting a church that we could kind of jump in. Like that's kind of where we thought we would do it is 
okay, maybe somebody's planting a church and we'll just go and help set up chairs in the cafeteria every Sunday or we'll teach a Sunday school class or we'll teach the kids. Like, we didn't care what it was. We just wanted to bring a local Nazarene church closer to home is what we were kind of thinking. But then in what ended up happening, uh, to, to be a spoiler, you know, you know, a spoiler alert, you are now the pastor of a church. And so I think it would kind of paint a really clear picture of what happened if you just said the name of your church, like the whole name. Uh, weird. Uh, called the Bartow Home Church of the Nazarene. Bartow Home Church of the Nazarene. Mm-hmm. So what, what that means, I mean, for, for anyone that might think, okay, that's a weird name. You basically, where do you, where does your church meet? We meet at our house in our living room every, uh, we meet on Sunday nights because, um, we, we felt like it was really important to share a meal together. So we always have dinner together and then we do our service, but, um, yeah, we're recording on a Saturday. And so tomorrow you're going to, to do what, to get ready for church. Like what, if you could just, I'm going to clean my entire house. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And you have four children. Yeah. Sundays in my house are a little crazy chaotic and we're working on finding, um, as my mentor would say, new rhythms of life to try to make it a little bit better. But my kids know Sunday morning is um, Saturday is for resting, I guess. Sunday is for preparing and getting ready. So, yeah. And we, (laughs) we make the food and we do the lesson and all of that. So Sunday morning is not restful. It's all about preparing and getting ready. And yeah. So what would it look like if Mir Byron happened upon Bartow Home Church of the Nazarene mm-hmm. in Florida? What would mm-hmm. it look like? Like, what is it? What should, for us? what should you expect when you arrive? Sure. Yeah. 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 So the awesome part is we know if we have a visitor because the doorbell rings <laughs> because no one else rings the bell. They just walk in, which is really awesome. I knew when they started to do that that they felt comfortable and they felt like this was their church. They wouldn't do that if they came over on a Monday or Tuesday. That's the funny part. It's just during the church time, but um, people just walk in and when you come in, um, everyone just kind of gathers and visits and the kids either go to the kids' rooms and just tear them up or they um, go out back. We have a playground and a trampoline. And so they just kind of play out there or whatever. Um, it's really, really loud for a while and everybody just kind of visits and um, I'm usually in the kitchen prepping the food and, you know, everybody's just kind of gathering around helping and then we um, gather back to the kitchen and we uh, bless the food and the kids are kind of all over. We have, we have several tables and we always, we all eat at a table. You don't eat on your lap here. Um, but we just... <laughs> Yeah, and we sit down, and then there's a lot of fellowship time, um, probably too much, <laughs> but we just kind of catch up on our weeks and visit and all of that, and then we call everyone back together in the main living room, and the children sit on the floor, and um, we do a kid-sized lesson-ish. It would be, depending on what we're doing, um, like, for example, during Advent, we were all together. So we would just do our whole lesson all together. But, like, we're about to start something new now for the new year. So um, it'll be – we're going to do more traditional Sunday school-like stories. So it would be like that. And then the kids at that point must um, get dismissed to go 
play and fellowship <laughs> together. We don't have like an organized childcare and um, yeah. We have a backyard with a playground. That's pretty. We do. Out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's no adult, but uh, we don't have really little ones. We have mainly school age kids, and then the adults and the teens kind of. Um, a lot of time, it just depends on what series we're going through, but sometimes it'll be the same exact scripture that we're just bring up to their level or bring down to the kids level. Or if we're going to do something different, it may just be whatever the adults are, are doing. And it's, it's casual. It's more um, discussion based, conversational type preaching. It's kind of weird to like preach to a small group of people. So, you know, it's mainly discussion based, but um, we've done all different kinds of ways. So so to, to bring this full circle, we asked you a question during the millennial, how millennial are you question period? And the first question we asked was, do you have a job? And so you were kind of like, uh, and this hopefully paints more of a clear picture as to why you were kind of, well, yes, but technically currently as, as the pastor, I mean, that's your title. You're the pastor of the Barto home church of the Nazarene. It's not necessarily a paid job right Right. it's funny because it's a role that I've had to kind of like get used to because when people if I meet strangers they'll say a lot a lot of times you'll be asked well what do you do and it just depends if I'll say oh I stay home with my kids but I've gotten much more comfortable now saying I'm actually the pastor of our church and that kind of opens the door for me to tell them about it which is interesting but I have such a different story as in like I wasn't called to a church I wasn't hired by a board I wasn't asked to be the pastor I just started a church and people came to it so they didn't really pick me I sort of picked them so it's just like such a different concept so does that kind of put you in a a weird relationship with other churches I mean is there sort of like oh you're a you're just kind of a home church you're not really you know is there this sort of looking down on you because of the different setting or status or whatever you want to call it that that you know, yeah our, my church is big and we have a building and people show up and yeah. yeah I don't I the other pastors like uh the ones that I I'm closest to and know the best they actually have been amazing and they don't I don't feel like they they treat me like that some of them have have come to visit and have sat through our service and we've never they've always been very gracious about it and everyone's always uh or they pretend to be impressed by how we do church (laughs) they like it i've heard people say like i wish we could do this all the time kind of thing um and so i don't get that from other pastors so much but i feel it from leadership um I feel it. I don't know if it's if it's meant to make me feel that way, but I do feel that way. Well, and you kind of have a double whammy. You're you're officially the first female pastor on this podcast, and and it's kind of comical to me because I was just having a conversation yesterday in a coffee shop with this pastor who was just loving on me. He's kind of being a mentor to me. He's on my district. He's awesome. Um, he had someone come into his office one day. Uh, recently and say, I'm sorry, I'm going, I'm not going to your church anymore. And like, why is that? He's like, I just realized we have a female pastor on staff. And, 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 and he's like, well, I'm not down with that. I said, do you not know that Nazarenes and this kind of tradition has been, 
I, I guess I don't know for what lack of better terminology, allowing and I hate to even say it, that right. way, but having female clergy that's been say a, supporting female clergy yes, because God you. still calls women, and this denomination has chosen from the very beginning to support that. Absolutely, that is a much better. Sorry, I couldn't think of anything better because that's that. The reason I said allowing is because that's what he said to this pastor: is "You're allow is, is not allowing. This is mm. how we've been." So you're in a home church. You're you're the pastor of this home church. You started as a lay leader, and then you you saw a need. You saw that you know you love this thing called church, but people weren't going to the church you were going to for one reason or another. And so you decided to to put it in your neighborhood. You use your actual house to to meet to be the meeting location for church. But then on top of that, you're a female. So do you ever have, I mean, I would love to hear, because it's one thing to, to express me and Byron's frustration. Sometimes I don't feel like I'm taken seriously. I'm a young pastor. I'm a millennial. I, I shouldn't be at church. I don't like church. Oh, you're just complaining about a thing because you're entitled and you're lazy and you like avocado on your toast. But I mean, what is it like for all of that, the weight of all of that, but then to be a woman and to be the, the pastor of a home church? I mean, mm-hmm. I can only imagine. So I would love for you to share a little bit mm-hmm. about that. Um, I think several of our people were f- were friends before they were congregation members. And so I think probably more than anything, if 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 I have a struggle with something is getting them to even identify me as a pastor. I think that they've come to understand that that is my call and my role now. Um, Because when we started, we started with the idea of, well, we just, we felt the call that's plant a church and we don't know what's going to happen. And maybe someday we'll call a pastor. And then nine months later, it was like, Oh, I'm actually going to be going to school now. So (laughs) it was kind of like just thrown at them. So I, in some ways I try to be like, okay, they're getting used to the idea too. I don't think anybody that attends here, obviously anyone who attends here now has a problem with me being a woman. I don't think any of them have problems with female pastors. Um, we did have a visitor, a visiting family that was invited by someone else come. And I don't know if they, this was back before we were like officially pastors, I guess. Um, but sometimes my husband and I rotate who's going to preach or speak or whatever, even though I'm considered the pastor because he's also like really great at it. So um, I spoke that night or I led the lesson or whatever we did. I can't even remember. Um, but they never came back and I just thought, Oh, they just visited. Sometimes we have one time visitors, but later someone told me it was because I, I spoke and he was highly offended. <laughs> and I was like, what did I say? I couldn't even remember what I talked about. Well, then so, what do you do with that though? I mean, cause going yeah, and talking to him, it, it broke it- my heart. It broke my heart that he, they don't attend anywhere else. It's not like they were involved in another church. And it broke my heart that here's a family that needs a church body. I think we're a really great one. And that chose not to come back because of my gender. I, it just really, yeah, it, I mean, it really, it saddened me. I was like, well, at least go find somewhere where you can worship like that. I don't really, I'm not going to get hung up on. I'm so offended that you won't come and hear me preach, but I want you to be somewhere. I want you to belong to the body of Christ. And 
no, you don't have to attend a physical church to do that, but you're going to just be so much better in your walk if you have the body surrounding you. And so that's the part that I think hurt me the most was, but you're not going anywhere. So just come and hear me anyway. Like, I don't, I, yeah. So that's the only time I personally have been affected, but I've also noticed on social media, I have a lot of, uh, Calvinist persuasion people and I would say that I've noticed that if I post something about church or something about for example when I got my district license I noticed everyone who congratulated me was Wesleyan like none of the (laughs) and I just was so brokenhearted like these are people I've known for a really long time and nobody said like so proud of you or congratulations or anything like that it was very noticeable and I thought oh this is weird and so there's like I I just it was funny someone because I have some they would call themselves um complementarianism mm -hmm. or complementarianists Mm -hmm. and so Calvinists uh, tend to be that way and it's kind of you know man's at the head and the woman is more of the helper and man needs to be the overseer over top of everything. And so I, I never really had used that term or heard that term, but he said, Oh, you're egalitarian. Mm-hmm. What does, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. You define that. Mm-hmm. And he said, Oh, you think everyone's equal. And like, Oh, so like we're all one in Christ. There's neither male nor female, there's no slave nor free. And it's like, Oh yeah, I do. I do believe that, but mm-hmm. you're saying it in such a negative way. But I can only imagine because if that's the mindset, what are you going to do with that? Because you are mm-hmm. a woman and the whole mindset is that you're beneath the man. So if you want to try to talk to him or appeal to him, I mean, what, what is he, what's going to happen from that? Because Listen, the irony of that was when I was a lay person, I was the women's ministry director before that. And these, some of these same people came to women's conferences I put on and I taught Bible study at them. So it's kind of like, so it's different because I'm teaching just the women, but well, that's the that's the difference. Yeah. You're allowed to teach women and children, but not men. It's pa- it's a little <clears throat> painful. Like I try not to get too hung up on it. Like I, you know, and but I think to be fair too, we need to be honest about our denomination as a whole. Um, yes, the Nazarene Church was founded on women being ministers and being supportive of that. That's not always the case, though. Mm-hmm. I know lots of women who have been in ministry who have always struggled with that, not just from lay people. We had, when Josiah and I were in college, we had a friend who went to go get her district licensing our senior year. Um, and she came back and they were trying to make it so she couldn't get on the, or, like there's two different types of ordination in the church of Nazarene. One is the elder, which is preachers, people who are up front, the voice of the church basically. Um, and then there's uh uh, what was the other one? The yeah, deacon. deacon. The deacon track, which is basically you, you're not a preacher. You're not the person who's the voice, but you do, you do ministry, you do other things. You can lead women in ministry. Is well, and the thing is, like, she oh. wanted to be a children's pastor, and she was very good at it. Um, but they wanted her to be a deacon because, well, you're never going to preach because you're going to be in charge of children. And they told her that. Mm-hmm. And she came back to school very upset because she should be. Um from, this is from a denomination that supposedly supports women in ministry. Mm-hmm. And there are patches of that. It, it happens. Um, there are people who are very supportive of it. And then there's groups in areas where they're not supportive at all. And they give you a, a hard time just because you're a woman. It doesn't make any sense to me. The, men have to be in charge. And, you know, oh, you're a woman who wants to lead. Okay. 
here's a women's group. Here's children. You can speak to them. Like some denominations won't even let women talk to teenagers because there's boys there that are almost men. And that would be emasculating because they're almost a full grown adult. So you don't want a woman teaching them when they're 16 because, well, they're going to be an adult soon. They have to be, be able to be a man and take charge of their woman and tell them what to do. And that's a, that's so story. we've experienced that in our own as teens that that happened. We had a woman that was a pastor oh. in our church. We, I, I, one of my favorite coworkers was a woman and she was a lot older than me. I'm not going to, I really would get slip, slapped by my mom if I told people how <laughs> she was, but she was old enough to, you know, she was older than my mother. I'll just say that. Um, but she told me story after story about what it was like to be, to be a female pastor, you know, way, way back in the day. Um, but it's curious for me because it kind of comes full circle. You have two daughters, right, Amy? Yes. And I have a daughter. And so I, I often wonder what I'm doing today, how that will impact the world tomorrow. Because, you know, sometimes we'll talk with my kids and, you know, sometimes my son or even my daughter will think, well, maybe one day I'll be a pastor. Mm-hmm. And, and I, they're, you know, they're seven and almost five. So right now they'd say, what if I could be to everything? And yeah, sure. That sounds great. When they get older, I'll have some serious discussions with them about that and what i've told teenagers and this may sound harsh but um i've said you know if you can do anything else do that other thing i mean honestly if there's anything else you feel like god has called you to do maybe you should consider doing that because being a pastor is pretty difficult um and it's not to compare it against other jobs being difficult but just it's a thing that that leads to a lot of burnout a lot of stats Mm -hmm. show that it's a grinder it grinds people up and chews them up and spits them out it does so so what's curious to me is, you know, hearing your story, uh, you didn't necessarily, it sounds like, get a whole lot of support. You're a female, you're a woman, you're trying to lead this community of people at your house to be this community, to be the church. But what does that, what does that look like for you being a mom on top of everything? I mean, mm-hmm. what, what if your daughter wanted to be a pastor one day? What would you mm-hmm. say to her? Oh, wow. That would be amazing. Um, they have both kind of told me that they're not going to do that, but <laughs> <laughs> I, one of them would be really great. Actually, they'd both be really great, but um, I do think that would be n- none of them, including my boys, because I have two boys too. They, they all just think it's completely normal. It's so funny how so this is life. Church yeah, this is life. This is our church. Yeah. Cause I've said to them before, like, do you miss church, like our old church? Do you miss traditional church? Would you like to go back? And they've all been like, no, like, and if we, sometimes we'll have a, a week in between where we are breaking or whatever. And they'll say like, there's no church today. Like they're literally upset. And um, <laughs> yeah, so this is normal for them. And I just, they don't think anything about it. And I don't know how it comes up um, in conversation, but I like, this is a funny story. Um, my daughter just went to a music competition a couple of days ago and she sat next to a, a new little girl she'd never met. And so a few minutes later she came over and she's like, I made a new best friend and guess what? Her mom's a pastor too. <laughs> I thought, how in the world did you get to that in five minutes? Like, it's easy when just... you're like 12, right? Man. Yeah. Yeah. She's 11. So it was just like, I don't know if she just spilled her whole life story to this little girl but I just thought it was funny that she wasn't even it didn't occur to her that maybe somebody wouldn't be okay with her mom being a pastor and the fact that she just identified it so quickly whereas like sometimes I struggle with 
should I even say it? Do I really want own it? Do I, is that who I really feel like I am? And my kids just like own it really quickly and tell everybody. So yeah, that's cool. Yeah. It's awesome. They're my my biggest supporters. I think my kids feel like they live at church. I mean, they act like it. We, to be fair, (laughs) technically you live kind of at church. I really do. I live in the parsonage. I live in the house next to the church. So it's like our other house to them oftentimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they roll around and they, they often say, how come so-and-so doesn't come to church? I, said, I, I don't know. You can invite them and ask their parents mm-hmm. if they want to go. But we have more of a traditional setup. So that creates barriers, you know, for a lot of people, mm-hmm. that is a barrier. Yeah. And that causes issues for them. But you're kind of doing a new thing. So, you know, I, I didn't prepare you for this, but I'm going to ask you one last question. And it's kind of a wrap up question for this discussion time. Because I find it really interesting and inspiring, especially, you know, thinking about my daughter, thinking about um, the next generation of uh, possible female pastors that we could have that that live in our house right now, which is, I mean, how crazy is that? Um, <laughs> but one day, one day the church might look like something a little different than it does today. Mm-hmm. And you're, you're kind of evidence of that, right? You're already doing something that looks a little different than it did however many years before that. Mm-hmm. Your your situation's a little different than that one. Um, but on this podcast, we talk a lot about young people that have disengaged because they don't like the old or they want new or they whatever. Um, so if you if you were to just simply appeal and maybe it's to, to young people currently to, to say, you know what, the church is actually kind of willing to to grapple with this stuff with you to, to maybe do things differently, to do things new. Um, and, and I'm evidence of that. Um, what, what would your encouragement be to, to the next generation of people that, that either this is now the, going to be the fun new normal or um, more specifically, what would you say? Because you're kind of this pioneer um, in a lot of ways, like some of these other women that have gone before you. You maybe have had these, oh, I'm not going to take you seriously or I'm not going to go to your church anymore because you're a woman. Um, but what would you say to someone that maybe she's maybe there's like a 17 year old girl? And maybe she's at that age that all the stats show she might give up on church. Mm-hmm. She might just be done. She might say, I'm over this because I don't, it's boring. I don't like it. It's something I don't want to be a part of. But what would you say to them? What would you encourage them based on all of your experiences to this point? The fact that you love church, that you know there's some things that need fixing. What would mm-hmm. you say to them to encourage them? Yeah, so I have a 13-year-old daughter and she is starting to see, she's kind of, starting to be a little cynical. And so um, I, I kind of test these questions out on her. You know, we still will go and visit churches and sometimes she'll say, oh, why do we sing songs seven times in a row or something like that? <laughs> because we don't have music here so much just because I don't have talent. So <laughs> it's weird for her, which is so funny because I'm like, oh, I missed this. But she's seeing it with fresh eyes. And so sometimes I'll say, well, what would you rather do? What would you, what, how do you see it going? And so just hearing her perspective is so interesting. And so what I would say is um, one of my biggest fears when I did this whole home church thing was, are we doing it the right way? Do we have everything in place? And I think that's an, a common church planning mistake is to say, let's line this up and line this up and line this up. You could line things up for years and never have it right. So I would just say, if you have people and you have God, that's all you really need. And you just need to, to 
be the church, be, be Christ, be love, preach the gospel. I, I think that's all you need. And then the rest just fits into place and it doesn't need to look script perfect. It doesn't need to, the lights don't need to be turned on a certain way. And the, it, it just, every person's going to be different, but don't have a certain ideal because I think that's what kind of messed with my mind at the beginning. And there's something refreshing that the body of Christ gathers to build one another up, to encourage one another so that when we do go out into the worlds, then we're ready and prepared. And then we come back to build one another up again. And so that's the point. We don't come to get filled and then leave and be filled again. We're here to build one another up. So I feel like Tom Church is one of those ways to remind us that we don't need all the extras, all the, I don't know. And I'm not against them either because I, I, I'm an advocate for traditional church. I just think it's helped me to see that all these extra things are just extra things. Well, and so, yeah. Beautiful about the simplicity. I, I can tell you, I wouldn't mind occasionally on Sunday morning if the power just happened to go out and we had yeah. to go outside or something. Yeah. I wouldn't have to worry about soundboards. I wouldn't have yeah. to worry about cues on the, the announcements, the, the media shout, the, you know, the thing on the projector, who is doing what, where we could just be. Together. And those are just extra things that stress the pastor out. I mean, because we do have that too. Like, like I'll say, oh, I want to show a video this week or I want to put a PowerPoint up so we can sing this song. And those are just extra things that on top of everything else, making the dinner and cleaning the house. I'm like the church custodian and the church cook, you know, like I still have, <laughs> wear all the hats too, but yeah, there's something about it. So it, I don't know if I answered the question, but I would say to the millennial girl thinking about getting into ministry, keep your eyes on God, keep the, your eyes on the call. Don't get distracted by all of the things that could be. And those are not bad things. And it seems really, I don't know, trendy to say like, oh, God knows what he, or he'll lead you that way or whatever. But I just, I think if we just focus on, on the message, it, it amazes me what little things, the way that we can be Christ, the way that we show Jesus is in the little things. And um, yeah, a few weeks ago we had a visiting missionary and we had a little boy get sick right in the middle of that he literally like threw up all over <laughs> and, and like we're like trying to clean up behind the scenes while the missionary's continuing her talk and so and like it was like this god moment with this he's this neighbor kid so he's there alone like there's no parent it's us and him and my husband's literally wiping his own like vomit off his feet and like <laughs> I'm like almost in tears because my husband says like, this is what Jesus did. He washed people's feet. And I'm thinking like, yeah, this is why we do what we do. We're here to serve the community and this is a way that we can do it. And I, I don't know. It's just to me, just don't lose focus. Don't, don't do too much. Just, I think any church can be like that. Yeah. That's, that's real though. I mean, so often you hear, I didn't like this church because the music or the, the preacher didn't do this or, you know, it's all about the little, little, mm -hmm. you know, extra stuff that we get all focused on and hung up on. But when we simply gather and there's a purpose for why we gather, 
that is as simple and as complex as church really needs to be. So, mm-hmm. well, thank you, Amy. Thank you. Um, yeah, we appreciated the time. And unfortunately, we didn't give Byron enough grief. By- I know Byron was sweating before because he's a professional sweater. He was worried about not being a parent. Um, and, and, <laughs> yeah, well, What's well up I mean, like one day, my wife and I, we plan on having kids, but we've only been married for just over a year. So we're taking our time. So, yeah. yes, I know it's, it's in the world. Yes, do that. Take your time. I regularly tell Byron or I text him, I say, I have been in fervent prayer that God would bless you with a child immediately. Yes, and, and, it, and it backfired because now he's having a four <laughs> about. You so, should have twins like I do. That will be even better. So that's the thing. My <laughs> wife's family does have a history of twins. There you go. So I don't want it to be our first one, though. I, I would like to have one oh, just to so kind of, like, ease into it a little bit. That I wouldn't mind twins in the future. I think that'd be kind of... Yeah. But I don't want it to be our first pregnancy because... That, oh, that Here's the thing, like though. So much I work. have friends who had twins first, and I feel like they didn't know the difference. So it was just like natural for them. I had yeah, twins. Yeah, I guess, I guess that's just life now. You third know, and fourth. If you have twins, it it's like exhausting. whatever. Yeah. Uh, I, see, that's the thing. I can't tell what would be better. I just, I don't know. I, we do want to have kids, though. We're looking forward to that one day, just not today. To well, stay the, tuned, the, folks. Okay. Maybe in a couple of weeks we'll hear that um, Byron <laughs> and his wife are pregnant, and then maybe Ooh. a couple more months <laughs> after that. We will hear that they are, in fact, pregnant with twins. So if you're a praying person, feel free to pray. That God... It's too late for you to have twins, though, right? Just oh, uh, like we know it's only one, It right? is only one, yes. Byron, we told uh, okay. my husband's grandmother, this was before she had passed away years ago. My twins are nine now. And he told his grandmother that we were not having any more children, but we didn't have boys yet. And she didn't want the family name to end. So she kept telling us she was praying and praying that we would have boys. And we're just like, no, no, we're not having any more. And then we had twin boys. So we blamed her forever for her praying. So get your grandmother on that. I'm going to talk. So ironically enough, I I actually talked with Byron's grandmother on a semi-regular basis. So now I know what to do. The Just next time I talk to her, and, and me and Grandma <laughs> Willie can mutually bear the brunt of Byron's blame for if he ever have. Do you think point. that if you and my grandma both pray for this, you think I'm going to blame my grandmother? Well, no. Wait, her name I is love Grandma. My... Grandma Willie. Her, her, yep, her grandma name is Willie. Willie. Yeah. That's Will, funny. Will my Dina is her grandmother name. was Grandma Tilly. So see. Oh, nice. Grandma Willie. Yeah, grandma but Tilly. I would never blame my grandmother because she's not a monster like Josiah. She's a good person. <laughs> <laughs> that and she might sock you. Oh my goodness. Well, that's true. She might actually physically assault me if I didn't blame her. That's that's a fact. My grandma's uh, tough. Uh, uh, well, no. we it's digress. the greatest thing, but you're tired, so that's a true story. And it makes being a pastor a whole nother thing. Oh my it goodness. Oh, but that is that is that is a topic for probably another conversation. Maybe we'll have to just just talk about the fun stories of being a pastor with kids uh if we ever have you back on the podcast Amy, that would be very entertaining that'd be awesome we could fill some time up with that i'm sure but <laughs> once again thank you for listening amy thank you for being on the podcast thank you thank you for joining us that was good and if if you listeners want to hear more about what millennials think or if you like hearing about the faith-based work that they're doing in culture then please join us next time on the millennial pastor podcast Follow us on social media. Find us on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter, or just come back in a couple weeks whenever we get our next podcast on the air. 
As always, I'm your host, Josiah. And I'm your co-host, Byron. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.